Hi, this is Ken Blanchard. Welcome to the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast, where my friend and colleague, Chad Gordon, interviews experts helping support our vision of leaders powered for good. If that's your mission too, I know you'll be inspired by what you hear. I'll be back at the end to share what I've learned. Enjoy this episode of the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Cassandra Worthy, welcome to the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. How are you doing today? What it do, Chad? I'm chilling. I'm chilling. I'm having a fantastic day and it just got a little bit better because I'm chatting with you. I love it. We're talking about your latest book, Change Enthusiasm, How to Harness the Power of Emotion for Leadership and Success. You know, here at Blanchard, we love teaching the skill sets and the mindsets. You are all about the mindset here. Tell me what led you to put pen to paper on this. Yeah. So it's really about my own personal life experience. Um, I'm a chemical engineer by trade, and I spent 15 years working in corporate, um, having a blast. I did a lot of research and development, innovation, manufacturing, um, but I went through a lot of really big change, acquisitions uh, in the CPG space, some of the biggest ones recorded in history. And I felt that type of change that, that walks through your door, pops you across the face, you're laying on the ground, you don't know why. Why is this happening? I didn't ask for it. And all of those emotions bubble up, the fear. Am I going to have a job tomorrow? The frustration. Good gracious. This culture is so much different than the one that I grew up in. Um, you know, wanting to quit every day. And, and I felt those emotions. And yet I would hear from executives and leaders at the beginning, this is going to be tough. But then as you get through it, it's like just grit your teeth and bear it, right? And leave your emotions at the door. Um, don't talk about them. This is business. You just got to grind it and do it. And so it was really a mindset that I began practicing out of a necessity, out of a need in my own career um, to find opportunity and change, to grant myself permission to feel the emotions flowing through me, knowing that they were a gift and they were there for a reason. Um, and so it was really through putting it into practice for myself and then having this intuition, this whisper that was something bigger, something better that I was supposed to be doing to share my gifts and my talents with the world. And it was through following that curiosity, listening to intuition, recognizing I could put this together in a very pragmatic way and teach other people to put it into practice to help them navigate change, to grant themselves permission to allow the emotions of change to exist and then use it, use it as fuel. Um, and so it all just kind of came together, stepping one foot over the other, following a path of curiosity, which has, uh, you know, eventually become a path of passion. Cassandra, in your voice, you can hear it. You, I think you have this innate enthusiasm that you probably bring to the world. I'm just assuming that this is our first time connecting here. But with change, how do you get people excited about something that, as you said, it kind of slaps you in the face from time to time? It's not something we love, but if we don't change, you know, we're gonna we're we're gonna die. I mean, you're just not gonna survive in this world. How do you get people started and get people excited to talk about change? Yeah. And I think what's unique about this thing, even though it is called change enthusiasm um, and, you know, enthusiasm, the Greek derivation, entheos, which means divinely inspired. Um, and so in change enthusiasm, it's divinely inspired by the emotion, that natural inherent gift that flows through us, inspired in that to find opportunity. And so the enthusiasm is the promise of the practice of the mindset. And so I get people uh, there uh, by inviting them to put it into practice, meeting them exactly where they are. 
Because the first step of this mindset I call the signal, it's about allowing the difficult part of emotion. When people are feeling stuck, when they're feeling frustrated, when they're feeling angry, right? This means, oh, you're in a moment of opportunity. And so by anchoring exactly where they are, and maybe they're not feeling excited about change, granting permission that that's okay. That's okay. And if you're feeling it, it means there's an opportunity here. Let's think about what are the options to make this work for you as opposed to against you. And then let's put you in that seat of choice. You have the power to choose how you experience this, how you show up, how you influence, how you inspire. Um, and it's through the practice of the mindset, you know, the steps, signal, opportunity, and choice over and over in the face of every difficult emotion that the wiring of the brain begins to change, right? You begin to recognize the cues when you're feeling that frustration, the physiological behavior the body. I sweat a little bit more. My fists ball up. My feet start tapping. I know I'm pissed off right now. If I'm pissed off, this energy is here. Let me practice a bit of metacognition. Let me step outside of this emotional energy and explore the thoughts, bringing my awareness into it. And then understand, okay, another moment of opportunity. How am I going to navigate this? And I know it's much easier said than done. This is a simple mindset, but it's not easy. But the more that you practice it, that's when the promise happens. That's when the entheos, the divine inspiration is possible. We can walk through the signal, the opportunity, and the choice. We really want to kind of mechanize that, maybe use a real world example. But I'm going to take a step back to just share, what have you found in your research? Where do people fall short? Where do people miss the opportunity to be better in, in, a, in a change situation, um, what gets them, gets them held up? Um, what are some things that we can really focus on? If we, if, if we know these are predictable areas of, of, of change that are coming our way and we can typically resist them, what can we do differently? I think it's a matter of changing the perspective and how we think about emotion that's inspired when going through change. I think where we get stuck is thinking that we need to either lose our anxiety, lose our fear, lose our frustration in order to be more focused, in order to move forward and change, um, or strive to not have it at all. If, if only I could be fearless, if only I could be so confident when going through change, that gets us in a very, very difficult, tricky position because we are emotional beings first. And the more that you try to deny, ignore, suppress, pretend they not, they're not, they don't exist, the more difficult and challenging change becomes. And you can almost feel paralyzed. But if you can flip the switch and recognize that the feelings are going to exist and that it's okay, and that those feelings are there for a reason, and they're actually your signals, your guideposts, your information, your data to help move you in and out of opportunity, to help you uh, have the opportunity to shift that that focus, uh, to use the emotion as, as energy, as fuel, that's when things can start moving forward. And that's when things become a little bit different. But I think we get ourselves stuck when we want to ignore the emotions of change or when we think we always need to be positive and upbeat when we're going through really difficult, challenging change. We need to embrace the challenge, embrace the difficulty, recognize it's there to serve us. It's signaling us to something that we care about, something that's important to us, somewhere where we need to grow, somewhere where we need to learn a connection that needs to get nurtured, or maybe a connection that's no longer serving us. Some type of opportunity is there. And it's up to us to choose. How do we maximize this opportunity? It's just not, it's just not valued, valuable um, for you, for your coworkers, your colleagues to um, be inauthentic, right? I mean, yeah. it, the, you know, if it's a restructuring, it's a new, it's a new uh, uh, systems that's put in place, whatever, whatever that change is going to be at, at the organization, it's, it's okay to know that this is changing a lot of comfortable muscle memory, right? 
Absolutely, it's okay. And it can be so powerful. And we've seen this, you know, in the research, we conduct research at the intersection of change and emotion um, around the world, asking those questions about what are the common emotions that employees feel, experience when going through change? What drives resistance? Um, here in the States, the number one is anxiety. Uh, you could probably guess that <laughs> um, is anxiety, right? When there's more unknowns than knowns. And then one of the more effective strategies to help employees navigate those more difficult emotions is communication as well as listening, listening to the individuals and providing avenues for them to express their ideas, their perspective, and then what they might be challenged by. And so that's where it's incumbent upon leaders to have a bit of vulnerability, as well as share a bit of empathy, right? And listening and holding that space to understand what individuals might be challenged by. But uh, it can be very, very powerful when leaders can create that space as well as step into their own authentic emotion and share that bit of confident vulnerability with their teams and with their organization. Let's walk through this. I'll just throw out something and I think I'm noticing it with my clients. I'm seeing it here um, in my workflow. Um, restructurings, they're happening a lot in organizations. People are tinked, uh, organizations are tinkering with the process of trying to get that, that kind of that perfect formula in place. Walk us through the practical application. Let's walk through that signal opportunity choice. Walk me through things that I, steps I can take uh, as I'm here, you know, in, in the second month of, of restructuring of my organization. What are some things I can do practically? For sure. The very first step is that emotional self-awareness is to allow the emotional energy to guide you where opportunity exists. Uh, and that starts with knowing you. That starts with understanding how does emotion flow through you? You know, where are you feeling a level of angst? Where are you feeling a level of frustration? Where might you actually be feeling a lot of anticipation and excitement? Um, that's going to be the guidepost to lead you to where opportunity rests for you. And then once you've recognized kind of that direction and that opportunity, it's about asking yourself, how do I want to make this restructuring work for me as opposed to against me? What are some options that I have in this moment, right? Where do I want to take my career in the next two to five years? Um, what are the skills that I need to develop? Uh, what role might I want to be in? Um, and then understanding, painting the picture of what those options are. And then in your, when you're in the opportunity and, and in evaluating those options, it's so wonderful to engage with trusted colleagues to kind of talk through, well, here's what I'm thinking for myself. I'm feeling a lot of frustration in this moment, a lot of fear in this restructuring that I'm going to no longer have this particular position, but maybe there are other areas that I can go and share scare, share my skill set. And here's where I think I could add some value. What are your thoughts on that? Um, and so it's a really good uh, um, opportunity and a means to engage others as you're thinking through those options and then making those small choices, right? Uh, making those small choices to maximize the opportunity and to move forward a little bit better uh, every day as you're exploring those. But, it, you know, it starts with allowing that emotional energy to flow, being in tune with you and where the signals, those emotional signals might be cueing you to put some focus where you might have some opportunity. I will wager that if you're still in the workforce and you cannot maneuver change, it, you have survived because these last <laughs> few years have been some of the most dramatic changes um, in the workforce, I, I believe, with the with the um, the pandemic, uh, especially kind of kicking things off. Um, you you talk a lot about resiliency in your book and resiliency grit, however you want to define that. How is that's 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 another thing that that if you don't have that in the face of all of these ongoing changes, 
uh, it can be quite challenging. So how how is that something you can nurture, develop, grow? For sure. It's resilience. It's, it's so important and so relevant right now, given the state of the world. It's really in the practice of experiencing change that we have the opportunity to nurture and grow our resilience. And I so often think about resilience as a muscle. I think about it as a muscle. Yeah. And yeah. I don't think that it's something that we're all born with. I think about it as a muscle because it has to get ripped and stretched and torn to get built up over time. And the only way to do that is through going through change, through going through those types of experiences that create the stress on the muscle and the ability to to rebuild it. And so we do that by practicing change, practicing disruption, and then ultimately through the practice of this mindset of change enthusiasm. And I really love that analogy of a muscle. I was I was actually a Division One athlete uh, at Georgia Tech. I threw shot put and discus, and I did a lot of weight training, a lot of weight training. And so when you think about our physical muscles, right, the way that they get built up is you put some type of strain or stress on them, right? You're working out a muscle group. You're putting that strain on it. And then the next day, you're resting that muscle group. You give that group some respite so that it can rebuild itself. And then the day after that, you're breaking it down again, right? And so in resiliency, so often we forget about the respite, about the pause, about the moment to actually reflect and think about what is it that I've learned? How have I grown in what I have been through? And so I think that resilience falls a little bit short when we consider it as you just keep pushing forward. You keep pushing forward in the face of every strain, constant strain, constant stress. You just move and you're resilient. You're going to keep moving. But I will tell you that's, again, where it falls short. And that's actually what is a, is a recipe for change fatigue, right? Because you're not giving yourself that moment to reflect. Look at everything that I've been through and what, if, what have I learned how have I grown, right? That's how the resilience muscle can really can really begin to, to, to grow stronger such that when the next strain comes, right, the next change, the next big disruption, it's even stronger. Um, and so that's how I really, really enjoy that, anal- that you know, analogy because I think in the practice of resilience and the resilience muscle, you still have to have that respite and that time to think about the learning and the growth that you've achieved. Um, and it's in that that moving from step one, the signal, when you're feeling all the pain, you're feeling the frustration, moving to the opportunity that those um, moments of learning how you've grown in the past will serve as seeds of trust. You know what? I've been through something really difficult like this in the past, but I grew so much and I made this one connection that changed my life. I'm feeling that same level of emotion right now. I'm going to trust if I'm feeling it, there's something good hurling its way for me right now. And I'm going to step into this moment of opportunity, understand what my options are, and I'm going to choose how I move forward and choose how I grow. At Blanchard, we love models. And so you break <laughs> down um, the change process. You, you you introduce us to the change traits. Let's take those one at a time and give us one little takeaway from each of those. The first one, communicative. Yes, communicative, the power of clear and succinct communication. For me, this is really about not only understanding and communicating the why of a change, but also the why now right? What's the sense of urgency? And it's also really prudent that you're tying what I call mental threads and heart strings, right? So not only how this is going to improve the business, the business metrics, you know, how you're showing up in the market, but also how is this going to improve the lives of your employees? How will this improve the lives of your customers, your clients, those that you serve, right? Tie the why and the why now with both heart and mind. Now, the second is about hungry and it's not just for lunch. It's not just for snack. <laughs> this is about feeding 
you know, heart, mind, and spirit, and about developing and caring for yourself. And I will tell you, this is a skill that the higher we go in organizations, the more and more it gets backburnered because we're constantly thinking, how can I pour more into my team? What are the tools? What are the skills? What do I need to give to them so that they can be successful? And we run ourselves ragged and forget about that one person that we're going to be leaning upon more than anyone else in our entire lives, and that's ourselves. And so often when executives ask me about, Cassandra, what do we need to be given our teams? I say, you know, one of the greatest gifts you can give to them is a healthier, more vibrant, more emotionally self-aware you. And that's what self-development, that's what self-care is all about. And it's so important when you're leading or going through change. The next is authentic. Uh, it's about shine, shining your full authentic light. It's about stepping into your truest authentic emotions uh, and sharing that vulnerability, right? Stepping into the courageous space to share how you're truly feeling about a change or a disruption, knowing that you're going to be better on the other side, right? You're going to be better as you move through it, um, but sharing your, your full authentic, authenticity, including your truest emotions and not just trying to paint an overly positive picture um, every single day. Uh, the other one is not rigid. Uh, so this is about agility, right? Or being nimble. Um, and it's really about stretching outside the comfort zone, right? And so often when we're going through change, we're inviting into that, into that zone of discomfort. The best way I feel to boost your agility is to look for opportunity in spaces where you can show up as the dumbest person in the room, where you are not talented, you don't have the natural gifts, you don't have the ability, it's something brand new for you. To invite that discomfort, put yourself in a low-risk uncomfortable environment. And again, this is about muscle memory, such that when change hits, when disruption comes, you remember, ooh, I've been in this situation before, that training that I took, I had no clue what I was doing, but I learned something new and I was better because of it. Um, the next one is gratitude. This one was massive. Um, I'll just share a little bit, the research that, that we put in uh, around the world, we studied a lot of different strategies to uh, motivate employees who are feeling resistant to change. And the number one for, at least for here in the States, to re-engage someone who's feeling resistant is appreciation. Showing appreciation for who they are, the value that they bring, and the work, the effort that they're making to move the change forward. It can go so far. And especially, excuse me, when we ourselves can vibrate in that energy of gratitude then we show up better and brighter for our teams as well. And last and certainly not least is empathy. Uh, and the daring Brene Brown teaches us so much about the power of empathy. And I feel it's gonna be one of the most sought after leadership skills uh, over the next decade, especially as we think about the level of disruption and the pace of change that we're all experiencing. It's about holding space, right? It's about holding space. And uniquely at Change Enthusiasm Global, because you know so often leaders are like, okay, I get empathy, I understand. But at what point do we tell them to just go get the work done, right? I'm, I'm listening. I hear you talking about the challenge, but the work has to get done. And so instead of a venting session, which we all know about, um, we've created what we call a signal session, which is highly productive. And it still allows employees to emote and share something that they're being challenged by. But it puts them in the seat of accountability. It puts them in the seat of power to choose their action that they're going to take to get the, to that next best feeling. And of course, you're going to offer support as if they can describe what help looks like. But ultimately, it's up to them. OK, you're in this opportunity. How are you going to actually move forward? And of course, what does support look like? Uh, for me. I always like to look for the opportunity here. The first line in your introduction, you 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 quote some research from McKinsey, and it basically it, it's pretty bleak. 70% of change initiatives fail. So my question to you is, 
with all of your research, with, with the models that you presented today, where are there typical areas that are minefields that if we are aware of them, if we address them differently, we can raise those numbers in a more positive way and get away from that just devastating number of 70% failure? Yeah, if you did all the skills that I just said a little bit better, I bet I bet uh, that number would be decreased. But I also think one of the most major pitfalls, and again, this is why I've devoted my life, uh, the life's work at the intersection of change and emotion, is the underestimation that leaders give to the power of emotion. You know, I firmly believe that our growth potential is determined at that intersection. When mm. we're going through change, big disruption, the fear hits, the frustrations there, the anxieties there, what do you do? What are the choices that are made when you're at that intersection? What you do in that moment, the mindset that you practice, the skill set that you embodies, that determines your probability of success or failure. That determines your potential to grow. And I think right now, or at least those that are having such major issues with, with major initiatives failing, is underestimating the power of that energy the power of those of those entities and giving employees a means to harness the power of it to move themselves forward, not only to move forward, whatever the initiative might be, whatever the change is, but also themselves to find ways to grow and see the opportunity that change presents. Um, and I, I see that it really increases the level of engagement. It increases the level of buy-in and it increases the pace at which emotions are understood processed, harnessed, and then move forward, right? It, it doesn't work yeah. against you. It actually works for you. If our listeners just started tuning in right now, and there was just one thing, Cassandra, that you would like for them to take away from our conversation, what would it be? The emotions of change must not be denied. They must not be denied in ourselves nor in those around us. And I think it is high time that we officially debunk the myth that emotion should be left at the door of business because emotions are carry on. Whether we acknowledge them or not, they will be there because we're emotional beings first. And it's when we're going through change that so much emotion is inspired. This is an untapped resource for millions around the world. When we can understand how they manifest through us and the information that they're providing to us, and then how we harness the power of that emotion, the way that we can move through change, the way that we can champion change and lead it is going to be completely um, altered for the better. Cassandra Worthy, if people wanted to dig in a little bit more into your research, learn a little bit more about you, where would you send them? Uh, well, you can Google me, my Cassandra Worthy. You can I'll pop up everywhere. But I would really, really invite people to go to changeenthusiasm.com backslash anthem. Um, there's a really inspirational collaboration that uh, we recently put out. Um, there's a free download. You can immediately download a tool that's going to help you get unstuck and change or that you can download and share with someone that you care about that might be going through a difficult change right now. And you can join our, our movement. Join the movement learn what it's like to be a practicing change enthusiast and hear the latest about when we have new events coming up, new offerings and the like. So please go to changeenthusiasmglobal.com backslash anthem. The book is called Change Enthusiasm. Cassandra Worthy, thank you so much for spending a little bit of time with us here today on the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Chad. And thank you to all the listeners. And thank you for joining us for today's podcast. If you enjoyed the interview, go ahead and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And please share it with your friends. The best way you can help us grow is feedback. So write a review if you haven't already. This podcast is brought to you by Blanchard, the heart of human achievement. 
Visit Blanchard.com for additional resources to help you and your organization succeed. Now it's my pleasure to turn today's podcast over to Ken Blanchard for his final thoughts. A big praising, Chad, for interviewing Cassandra Worthy about her amazing book, Change Enthusiasm. We're supposed to be enthusiastic about change? I mean, change is all around us. Look at all the things that have happened off of COVID and all kinds of things, and we're supposed to be enthusiastic. She says, absolutely. And the subtitle says it all, how to harness the power of emotion for leadership and success. And what she's saying is your emotions are really important. What we have to do if we want to really change is invite our emotions. Let people share their emotions. Announce the change. Talk about what uh, it might do, but then let people deal with their emotions. And as a leader, deal with your own emotions. If you don't approach uh, the emotions uh, characterized in change, then you're really going to fall short in your journey. So I want to tell you, this is a powerful interview. Read her book. Listen to uh, more of her material. Cassandra, you got it. You are really on to something. And Chad, thanks for interviewing her because change is all around us and we have to know how to deal with it and how to get in touch with our emotions so we can move forward successfully. Wow, what great stuff. Thank you.